Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the editor-in-chief of Imperial Esports, and welcome to another very special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. We are now back on Unicorn, which is incredibly exciting. So hopefully uh, you guys are listening to it on there, where I do little write-ups and everything on all of these games and, and general trends that we see. And we've got a lot of general trends to talk about as we look at week four of the North American LCS. And I can't think of anyone I would rather talk about this with than my good friend and writer for Slingshot Esports, Walter Ciades Fedchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty pretty good today. I'm, I'm ready to talk about the last three teams uh, in North America because they actually have rosters that are of, of consequence. And uh, and moving forward, we just we we only have nine teams in North America. <laughs> yeah, um, I hate to break this to you, but at some point we will have to acknowledge the existence of Echo Fox. I'm not making you do it this nope. week, not this week. Nope. But we made a deal at the beginning of this whole thing for people that have been listening since week two. We're going to talk about every team, and technically, Echo Fox is still recognized as a team. So we'll have to deal with that, but not this week. We're going to put that off as long as we can. Instead, we're going to start with a team that's far more exciting to talk about, which is NRG Esports, which had a, an interesting week, I think it's safe to say. Obviously, last week, uh, in week two, they had a forfeit that gave them a victory over Echo Fox and then a loss that was, well, let's say, a hard-fought loss against Immortals uh, with Adrian just going insane in that one. But this week had some very peculiar ups and downs for them, and it starts with their game against Liquid, where Impact, despite having the final counter pick, really failed to make much of an impact on that Trundle pick. Walter, do you think this was a failure on NRG to play around what Trundle can do in that top lane, or was this a pick and ban phase that was kind of doomed from the start? So after, after much research on this pick, uh, we've determined it had been only played once prior to to energy playing it. It was played by Team Impulse against Echo Fox in Week One. Echo Fox's lone win, and then it was played three times last Saturday in a row by the losing teams by Energy, by Echo Fox, and by Renegades. So I guess we figured out which group of teams were all scrimming together that week, and maybe they were trying to come up with some funky counter pick to whatever was going on in the top lane. Uh, it clearly did not work out. It clearly isn't working out. And it just seemed at the time like a really, really weird pick in general. Uh, I don't think there was really anything on Liquid's team. I, it, obviously, the Poppy does get some get some built-in uh, armor and MR from her W. But other than that, there wasn't anything really on Liquid's team that was like, I need to subjugate this champion and rip through all their stats. So I... I have no clue what they were thinking here. Maybe they were just trying to establish a, a split push, but there's better champions than that. Yeah, it was a very weird sequence of events for them, uh, especially when you look at the champions that were still available at the time. I, I just It leads me to my same feelings that I had when we mentioned it very briefly last week. I think that this team has to recognize what impact is when they're successful. And what he is is a very powerful solo laner that can hold his own and really, you know, beat people, you know, in, in solo matchups when given the opportunity. Uh, last week he played Maokai, and I did not think that that was a great pick for that team. I thought that there were several different picks that could have done a lot more, especially 
given the way that he played it against Immortals. And I think in this game, it really went to show that, you know, sure, you had a little bit more utility on the champion. You have the slows, you have the pillars, but it didn't translate to anything. And speaking about failing to translate to things, one of the bigger problems in that game against Liquid is they didn't seem to be able to translate any of their early game kill pressure into any objectives in the same way that Liquid were. Do you think that that is a problem on their rotational play and their understanding of particular power spikes? Or do you think that this is a vision problem that people like Conquan need to take more time and energy to really get right for this team? Uh, in all honesty, I don't think it's a vision thing. Conquan uh, is actually the the best when it comes to vision control, whether it's wards placed per minute or it's cleared a minute. Uh, Moon, the jungler, is up there where he's uh, top three in wards placed per minute and top five in wards cleared per minute per, posi- per their position. So I don't think it's necessarily vision issues. I think it more comes down to, especially in the Liquid game, that Lorlo was able to get such a tremendous lead. And that uh, Dardock was able to constantly camp that lane and get Dar- uh, get Lorlo such a tremendous lead on a champion that, quite frankly, brings a ton of utility into her kit, a ton of disengage, a ton of engage. Whether it's you know Flash eing into a wall, Flash you know using the Keeper's verdict to either disengage or to engage. I just think that a champion like Trundle doesn't really bring anything to the team outside of either a split push presence or some team fight disruption with the, with the pillar and with the subjugate because you're able to steal resistances from heavy tanks. It just it came down to the composition and how they played the early game, and it just created a lead in the top lane for Team Liquid that you never could get back from. Right, and I think that, to me, is why I lean towards it being more of a rotational problem, because if you're NRG, you have to be aware that Team Liquid's plan is to get Lorlo going. Because when you get Poppy some resources, Poppy can snowball quite effectively. And like you said, just has so much utility in her kit with the, with the stuns and that crazy knockback on the ultimate. You really don't want Poppy to be in a position of power against you. Because, especially because it just allows Liquid's composition to get going in so many other ways that we'll discuss when we move on to Liquid. And, and to me, that means that Moon has to be spending way more time in that top lane, making sure that that doesn't happen. And he just wasn't there, or when he was there, he wasn't nearly as effective as he needed to be to pull those kinds of moments off. And I think that's something that, if you're NRG, you really have to take into account when you're trying to plan how you're going to move forward from here. And when they played TSM this week, it seems like they did just that. Uh, Impact obviously had a much better game being Poppy rather than playing against it. But I think the story here was really GBM and this crazy zillion pick that I, I don't think anyone was expecting. Walter, what is GBM's ability to adapt on the fly and give these kinds of off-meta picks do for this NRG team moving forward? Well, it was off-meta, and it's now turning into a meta pick. I was watching LCK a couple I think the last night or the night before, and we saw a couple zillions emerge there. And no matter what LOL Esports says about the champion, it is a very strong pick. It gives you a ton of utility, and it was incredibly intelligent to pick it against this very uh, bursty kind of composition that was being built by TSM, uh, this reactionary burst uh, with the, the Graves and the Braum Ultimate and Dirksen playing Victor. So it was really strong into it because... 
energy could engage with impact on Poppy and Moon playing Rek'Sai, and then whether the counter reaction from from TSM, you know, using their ultimates, using their utility, using their their damage, essentially keep impact and or moon alive and then re-engage a second time and TSM really has nothing to stop it. So it was incredibly intelligent to pick it then and that's just what you get when you have GBM. You do have all of these sort of unique pocket picks where they aren't they aren't like keen where they're you know straight counter picks for laning phase. He still gives up his lane control to play this champion, you know, to play certain champions and gives up pressure, which Zillion only happens when he runs out of mana. But it allows you to craft all these really unique compositions that teams aren't ready for. And, and TSM definitely was not ready for this like double engage style composition. Well, it really felt like NRG took the lessons they had learned the previous day and understood the real value of some of the zone control. You know, we talk about, we, I'm I'm doing the Phil Sims again. You know, we talked about how Liquid was able to get these kind of engages that they wanted and and snowball and have this crazy frontline in Dardock that just made it so NRG really couldn't do anything after a certain point, which is why that Trundle pick looked worse and worse as the game went on. And this time around, they were the ones with the Rek'Sai that had the the huge tanky stats. They were the ones with the Poppy that was able to pick whatever engages they want. And the amazing thing about GBM Zillion to me is that if I didn't know any better, I would think that those bombs were still pointing click abilities because he was landing <laughs> every single one of them. I think he even said in the, in the interview afterwards, like, yeah, it's uh, it's the easiest skill shot in the, to land for me, which I haven't had that same experience in solo queue myself. I guess I'm no GBM is what we've discovered there. But it's it's so interesting to just see how they built this whole composition together. They had so much disengage, so many opportunities to force TSM to re-engage after they already spent their burst. And they just never had that opportunity. And even when you'd think that TSM would be trying to force plays, it just seems like it always hurt them way more than it helped. Now, obviously, TSM had some rough plays there. There were certainly some overextensions in that regard that maybe NRG won't be able to reliably count upon as they move forward. But if you're Hermit right now and you're watch, you know, you watched both of these games, how do you move forward to make sure that your team is as, as strong as they can be? How do you build the kind of compositions that they would need to be successful uh, as they get closer and closer towards uh, the end of the split? Uh, they definitely need to work on their early game. Uh, according to our good friend, Tim Sevenhusen over at Oracle's Elixir and his early game rating, Energy is the third worst team in the North American LCS when it comes to their early game. And they're averaging, they're only one of three teams that have a negative, uh, a negative thousand plus uh, gold difference at 15 minutes. They're, u- they're down on average by 1,116 gold, which is only better than Echo Fox and Impulse. So I think that's the real primary thing that you need to do. And part of that comes from, you know, Dardock and, and Lorlo just making mincemeat about uh, of impact for the first 15 minutes of the game of Team Liquid, and the same thing with, with Hooney and, and Rainover. So you really need to look towards this, this jungler, Moon, who he's not a terrible jungler. Statistically, he's kind of middle of the pack in terms of pretty much anything except Vision, where he's one of the better Vision controllers in the LCS. He's top five in all ca- in, in both the two major categories, like I said earlier. You really need to get it so that he's making more of an impact during the game, whether it's ganking for impact, whether it's ganking for GBM, whether it's ganking for Alltech and Conquan. 
And because of the sort of passive farming nature of, of Alltech and, and GBM, it kind of points towards get him an impact on the same page, get them going, get them roaming together, get them, you know, making picks in the enemy jungle like you used to see with Russian impact on Team Impulse last year. So I think you go to what Team Impulse was able to do with, with their jungler and impact last year and start taking some of those concepts and molding them into your strategy. Get Moon out there, get him into the opponent jungler, getting into the enemy jungle, getting some counter... Some counter ganks off, getting some counter jungling, and knowing that you can have impact as backup, like he was able to do with Rush last year. Moon is a really young player. I said in my power rankings article that uh, he did show some problems early on in his challenger career, and over the course of the summer, was able to improve and improve and improve. And that needs to be the goal if this is going to be your long term jungler. You need to get him to improve. You need to get him more confident in his early game and making plays. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Moon point because to me, he is the crux of whether this team is going to be a serious threat to win it all when the postseason rolls around. I mean, obviously right now, Immortals look head and shoulders above the rest, but as metas change and you know more teams kind of adjust and figure out what Immortals are doing, there's going to be, you know, somebody's going to step up and be that number two threat. It, that's just how these things tend to work. And for NRG, I think so much of it comes down to what Moon is capable of. Can he figure out where to be and how to fight off some of these ganks? Because when you see him in games like the Liquid game, it always felt like he was one step behind. And even in the game against TSM, I felt like he was reacting when other members of his team were making plays more than he was necessarily making plays in his own right. And that's something that comes with confidence. That comes with being on this main stage. And one of the things we have to remember about energy, Moon has only played four games so far on an LCS stage. And two of those weeks, it was on a day two. You know, he hasn't really gotten a full week to be in the swing of things and, and get used to that, you know, playing multiple teams on a weekly basis, prepping for multiple teams uh, for that weekly basis. It's It's not really an excuse because in the challenger scene, certainly he had to do that kind of thing. But we've seen this before with players. Not everyone can just hit the scene, and suddenly be ready to go. And I do think that he's a player that has the potential to learn, that has the potential to become something. But as you said, it's going to rely upon this team putting him in a position to succeed. And if they steal a page from last summer's impulse and allow him an impact to become these power players rather than forcing uh, impact onto more utility champions like Maokai, like the Trundle, I think they're going to have a lot more success moving forward. But we're going to move on to the team that beat them on day one, Team Liquid. And we got to start with Dardoch, because if we're talking about a jungle that needed some time to adjust to the pace of the LCS stage, Dardoch is basically the exact opposite. He has had so many great engages since coming in for I Will Dominate. Walter... How was this guy able to take the leap from the Challenger series to the LCS so easily? And what is he giving this team right now that they just didn't have during week one? So he's basically just giving them uh, an early game aggression that they didn't have in game, uh, that they didn't have in the very first game of the season. He's getting into the enemy jungle. He's getting wards down. He's getting 
counter jungling in, and he's ganking at a rate that I will dominate could not match. I will dominate was really more about trying to get to like level six, getting his ultimate, and then starting to make plays. And Dardak from the start is level two, level three, invading, ganking, getting wards. Again, go, go back to the energy game where he was constantly in impacts lane, getting Lorlo ahead. And he can do this because despite the fact that we've, we've long thought that Phoenix hasn't been the greatest of laner or that he has a limited champion pool, Phoenix is also performing better. And then you have Piglet in the bot lane that's that you know he can duel pretty much anybody he wants so it's freed him up quite a bit and he has a lot of confidence in his own play that he's willing to go out and make a mistake you know he's willing to run into the enemy jungle get caught out and go okay well they must have had a ward there go back and he'll check the bush or put a pink ward there or get deeper vision he's he's just playing very very confidently and it probably helps that he's had so much success with his early game pressure and his early ganking if you look at all junglers, he's second in kill participation and second, third in assists behind Expithian Rainover in assists, and he's only second behind Bebe, the substitute jungler for Team Impulse who played three games. He's got you know 19 kills, 14 deaths, which are a little high, but it shows his willingness to just try and make a play. And when it comes to his farming, he's in the top four in every single major one of these farming categories and, 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 and early damage categories. So he is making his presence felt on the map in a way that very few other junglers are in the LCS outside of Rush and Proxen. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the keys for that has been his ability to you know, have that kind of aggression, but be what the team needs him to be, depending on the composition. In that game against NRG, he played a very tanky Rek'Sai. You know, he got those kills early. He got the knockups that they needed to get, you know, the kills onto Lorlo to get, you know, Piglet going, really going for those side lanes and getting those lanes ready to be dominant. But then in game two, when, you know, things were not quite as easy for Liquid as they'd been in, in that previous game. You know, he's played the Graves. He got some damage down. He had some outplays that were really fun to watch. And he managed to be this kind of secondary damage threat that really helped turn some of these team fights around and, and really allow them to come back from this early game deficit. And, you know, it's, it's a good thing that you brought up Phoenix because this is where we need to eat crow a little bit. We did not think very highly of Phoenix during the preseason. Uh, we mentioned we had an entire section on our podcast uh, that drew some ire from some Team Liquid fans about how we didn't believe that his champion pool and the versatility that he had on this team was enough to keep them going. And while he only played one champion this week, he played that one champion really well. And so I, I want to ask you, Walter, do you think that this is Phoenix taking the next step in his evolution as an LCS caliber mid laner? Or do you think this is just as much to do with the kind of disengaged styles that have allowed him to play this high damage, low mobility mid lane style that's worked very well for this team? So, so most of it is going to come from the fact that the team is playing around him and Piglet so well. They're peeling for them. They're picking these Kitey Siege style compositions. And he's really, like you said, allowed to play these low mobility mages without being punished for them. Uh, in terms of his laning, it's down. A, it's gotten better. It's still not fantastic. It's kind of middle of the road for mid laners. But because of what he's able to accomplish in team fights and, and in these sort of you know two versus 
three, three versus two, three versus three skirmishes that Dardock creates, he's getting a lot of assists and he's getting a lot of gold that way. He actually leads all mid laners with 49 assists and it's not even close to second place. He's 16 assists ahead of Pobelter, who is second. And he has the third highest KDA for any mid laner. Uh, really high kill participation. He's second among mid laners in that with 82%. So he is making his presence felt on the map in a way that he just didn't do a lot during the summer. Sure, you had you know the Sharima Shuffle where he got the four kills under the tower. Cool, that's awesome. Uh, but it wasn't very consistent, and this year he's being very consistent with not only his damage, but his playmaking ability. Yeah, and it's coming from an understanding of you know things that he did pretty well last split and is now doing significantly better, and as you said, with more consistency. You know, Why did the Azir work so well? Well, because he was so good at zone control. What does Lux do really well? Well, she has those areas where she can get the stuns if she can land them properly, and you have the giant death beam of love light that comes on through and can just slam through enemy teams. This involves these kind of zone control principles that he's now proven that he can not only understand in terms of one champion but understand in terms of how to apply that knowledge to team fights to better the rest of his teammates and you know i i think you hit it on the head when you say that both he and piglet have proven this time and again i i think it's hilarious that impulse even threw a caitlin ban out there as if somehow you know this was going to stop piglet from being this hard carry monster that he's been all split long i think you know anyone who doubted whether piglet was a top, top tier 80 carry has got to be feeling pretty silly right now. But there is one concern, Walter, and it's a concern that really almost came back to haunt them against Impulse and has been an issue throughout the first couple weeks of the season, especially you look at what should have been a loss against Echo Fox, and that's the early game for this team. You know, when Dardock isn't getting a whole bunch of early kills... And he did have one incredibly nice outplay on the Graves against Proxen very early on in that game against Impulse. But the rest of the team really struggled, especially Lorlo, who, who died way too often on the top lane, Tom Kench, given the way that that champion should be played. And they've had to play themselves out of holes that they seem to, to dig for themselves. And, and Walter, I, I guess the question becomes... What is it that's been hurting them in the early game as consistently as it has, and how do they fix it? Because this is a liability that will hurt them against high-quality teams. So the problem with the early game is that it's not necessarily the first five to like eight minutes of the game. It's usually there's a lull in what they're able to accomplish once both the side towers go down, and it's turned into this, we're going to shove one wave, we're going to shove the other wave, we're going to shove that wave again, we're going to shove the... Second wave again, like where, where we get to this push, the you know, trying to establish side wave control. And then I think it just comes down to inexperience between uh, Lorlo and Dardock. They just aren't used to doing that. And, and Matt, too. They just aren't really used to playing this style yet. And where Phoenix and Piglet are veterans and they know how to play safe, those three still get themselves caught out in, in little positions here and there. Uh, so going back to our, our friend Tim Seven, who's in Oracle's Elixir, as much as we're gushing about their early game, Team Liquid actually has the second worst early game rating, according to his website, uh, and, and have a gold deficit at 15 minutes of 752 gold. Some of that is probably coming from the fact that they, they have gotten steamrolled in some of these early games. But as a whole, 
I think it just comes down to just making smarter decisions in the early game uh, with Matt and Lorlo and Dardock. They're, they're younger players. They're not as experienced. Uh, whereas Piglet and Phoenix kind of have that innate veteran sense of, uh, I might get ganked here. I better play safer. Oh, I'm going to, you know, blue trinket this bush. Oh, yep. They're there. And it's just coming down to getting the experience on the stage, you know, learning how to play against these other top level players and learning their habits and, and, and molding yourselves and, and looking at the other players around you and making yourself better. It'll come with time. And I think this week in particular was a really, really good week for them where they weren't getting caught out too much in the early game. It was more a mid to late game problem with Matt, especially, uh, but they're getting there. And that's the only thing that team liquid can really hope for is that these young players grow into their positions. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that that Oracle's Elixir stat is going to the 15th minute, which nowadays you can kind of argue that maybe the early game ends before that. But it's it just says a lot about, you know, like you said, after those first eight minutes or so, their transition has been rough. And even in two of the games they've now won, two of their three victories, they have started behind by several thousand gold at, at points in those games. And that to me, you know, if you have a guy like Dardock who can start getting some engages, you have a guy like Piglet who can get so much damage down, you have this Lux damage in with Phoenix that, you know, has that mid-game power spike, sometimes you can dig yourself out of the hole. But against really good teams, you won't. And right now, they, you know, you look at this week, this week they, they have to play Immortals. You cannot get away with a weak early game against Immortals. They will just steamroll you and the game will be over before you ever have a chance to even consider coming back. And if Liquid does have those playoff aspirations on their mind, that's the thing they need to address really quickly. And whether that's just understanding better how you know they need to play some of these you know early game roles and, and figuring out where those ganks should be going to get the greatest result, or whether it's a better early game vision, wh- whatever it is, they need to come to terms with that sooner rather than later because it's only going to get harder and harder from here. So let's transition into their opponent in that game, Team Impulse, because Impulse is a team that you and I expected absolutely nothing from in the preseason. I believe we called them a dumpster fire, to be specific. And now they're 3-3, three and three, and they have you know key victories in games that showed some resilience here and there. And they, you know, clearly, this is this is sustainable, right? There's... I'm sure that you can't point to to any particular stat that might concern us as far as the long-term sustainability of this team, right, Walter? Uh, no, because they haven't played with their full five-man roster yet. So, so no, <laughs> no, I no, I I don't think it's sustainable yet. I need to see how they play with with their actual top laner Fang, who, according to LOE Sports, will actually be there this week and we'll be playing with the team. So we finally get our first chance at the preseason discussed roster of team impulse. Yeah. And, and honestly, if the sarcasm didn't uh, went over anyone's head in the audience, I just, I, I made this point last week when we talked about how crazy I found the immortals lines to be, you know, their wins last week. The only thing I think we really learned was that, Renegades did not properly evaluate how strong that gangplank pick really was going to be. And in the other two games, it was, you know, a Cloud Nine without High, who just had no idea what they were doing, and a Dignitas game that 
I don't think they win if Dignitas remembers what a split push is. And so to me, it, it just, let's start with Seraph and that split push and how important that was to both their early game lead against Liquid and their victory against Dignitas here. What was Seraph able to do for this team and how are they going to compensate for his loss now that he's departing? So I think, and maybe some people will laugh at me and go, I'm crazy, ha ha ha. But Seraph arguably had the best understanding of how to split push and how to teleport in the games that he played in the LCS out of any top laner that played in the North American LCS. And it somehow did not translate to, when I watched the Challenger Series games on Wednesday night, it somehow didn't translate. He looked like he, he didn't know what to do with the spell which is unusual in its own right, but to have the wherewithal to continue pushing that inhibitor top lane against Dignitas while his mid lane was under siege, knowing that they probably couldn't win a straight-up team fight, and then out-dueling Billy Boss so he could actually get the inhibitor down was, was genius. It was intelligent, it was a veteran play, and that's what I think that this team is going to miss the most, is this, this semi-veteran presence that has a really strong knowledge of how to play the top lane a specific way, which is this kind of split-push damage style on Fiora, that I don't think Fang has shown an ability to do or even bring to the team. So now you're basically going to be relying on Gate and Mashmi to be the veteran presence on your team, and they're going to be the two people that need to be grouped the most. So I just I don't see this success that they found with the the one Gate Gangplank game in the top lane and and Seraph being sustained unless Proxen and Tyrion and Fang are way, way better than they've either shown or we expected them to be at the beginning of the season. Right. And I think, you know, when you look at Fang, we have seen a couple games from him. None of them were particularly impressive. Each of them, there were clear holes in his understanding of the map and how to play with the team. He's not a guy with a ton of competitive experience. Uh, this is incredibly exploitable. And as we pointed out in our preview, this is a guy who was known throughout most of North American solo queue as a barred one-trick pony. Now, whether that's true or not, this is the reputation he had, and he is now going to be replacing the guy who was arguably the most valuable player on this Impulse team. And that fundamentally changes the way that they look and who has to pick up the burden. And I think you and I can confidently say it's not going to be match. Uh, that's something we've seen enough games from him at the LCS level. It's not likely to be him, but there is some hope for any of those fans of this team in Proxen, who has really stepped up on a different level so far in, in his two appearances this week and in his appearance last week. Walter, what are we seeing from Proxen that's been able to help turn around some of these early game issues that Impulse had previously been showing? And what does it say for the potential of this team moving forward? Uh, it's basically been the same thing that we just talked about with Dardox. Statistically, they're two, they're like two and three when it comes to, comes to jungle statistics. Proxen's overall numbers are down a little bit because he's only played three games, but he matches up very well with what Dardock has been able to accomplish. Uh, outside of uh, vision control, I think is 
yeah, again, it, the, the vision control has been his biggest issue, although Dardock actually has a lot of vision, uh, vision control problems as well. So it, it really just comes down to both of these players have a confidence in their playmaking ability and, and them being able to go into the enemy jungle and make plays, them counter-ganking, them ganking. They, neither of them seem to have any fear in their plays. There is never a moment of hesitation where you see like a little stutter step before they go into the enemy jungle. It's they know what they want to do in there. They either want to place a ward, they want to take this camp, they want to take this camp. They're looping around to try and dodge a ward. And it's a very concise, very determined and and succinct play style where there's very few moments wasted. They're constantly trying to do something. And Proxen in particular is surprising because in his few stints uh, he was in the LJL last year, and before that, I think it was on MKZ. Was was that who it was? But he's never shown anything to, you know, point to the fact that he was going to emerge as some great jungler. And it's it's been nice. It's a it's a breath of fresh air in an otherwise kind of mediocre Team Impulse lineup. Yeah, I think that's entirely reasonable, and I think that when you look at what he's been able to do, it does add that extra little element of you know map awareness of, of making plays of of putting pressure on the enemy team and as we've seen more and more as the meta's kind of developed itself it does seem like having that ability to force the other team to make a move whether it be through counter jungling or whether it be through these kinds of more aggressive ganks that's what gives you the ability to take advantage of it but the guy that's going to have to take advantage of it is Pyrian who we've seen play Varus twice now and otherwise is stuck to more, let's say, utility-based mid laners, do you think that he's going to be able to step up and be the guy that they need in order to take advantage of these opportunities, or are we still missing that piece from him as far as what he brings to the table? I think we're still missing that piece. Uh, I haven't really seen anything out of him that would would show that he is the the, the final missing piece uh, it, it, even if you kept Seraph instead of Fang he's done well because he's been the utility that they've needed he's fit into these kind of poke compositions but I, I'm just not quite sure he still seems like too much of a raw talent at this point to say it can go one way or the other he definitely needs to improve if he wants to to help Team Impulse get anywhere in the LCS but at this moment I haven't seen enough of him to really say that he's going to be a big success or a big flop either way he's just kind of in the middle and and lower middle at this point well and here's the problem right when you start looking at what impulse has to go up against their next three games going into the halfway point of the season clg nrg tsm that's rough uh those are teams that can really really take advantage of fang's weakness as a as a whole those are three great top laners that he's going to be tested against. Uh, those are teams that have junglers that can either you know handle themselves or, or put counter pressure in their own right. I I think that we're going to see impulse kind of crash back down to earth a little bit as the schedule gets tougher. And what's going to be more interesting to me is what happens when they get on the other side when they start playing uh, Dignitas for the second half of week five when they start playing. Uh, Echo Fox towards this, you know, towards week six, you know, are they still going to have the resilience and the confidence in themselves to start making those plays? Because if we've seen anything from some of these younger junglers, it's that if they get shaken up, 
it can have a serious impact on how they play the game going forward. And I think whether we're talking Dardock or Proxen, uh, being able to remain confident, being able to remain the aggressor that puts their team in a position to succeed is going to be crucial towards any of that long-term success. But with that, I think it's time to talk gambling lines, Walter. Uh, right now, it is six to two between us. We had a push in Europe. If you guys listened to the episode on Wednesday, if you haven't, you totally should. It was a great one. I would be willing to say uh, we went one and two in our smart money bets uh, in North America last week. We had Dignitas over Impulse. Oops. Uh, we had Cloud Nine over TSM. We forgot that Cloud Nine only wins on Sundays. High did play, but. It wasn't a Sunday, so that bet didn't come through. And we had Liquid over Impulse. That one did come through, which puts it at 6-3 and three overall in North America and a $347 profit if you bet $100 on every bet that we threw out your way. So we're still in the black. We're still helping you guys out in the long run. You just got to keep your faith in us. Don't back out after one bad week. We're going to come back on board, and I think uh, – when we look at some of the lines here, unlike Europe, which had no value anywhere, I think there are going to be some really interesting games to talk about. So let's get started. Uh, Liquid versus Dignitas. Liquid, obviously, we've talked about extensively this podcast. Dignitas, really, it, it's hard to say anything other than, man, are we sure Billy Boss is better than Smitty J? Like, are we really sure? Is it not? Is it too late to go back? No, I, I don't really think Billy Boss is, is the primary issue. I think it has a lot to do with Kire backsliding. And particularly in this matchup where where Kire is is not performing as well and Dardock is sort of blossoming and blooming into this LCS-capable jungler, I think you have to give the advantage to Team Liquid. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say Team Liquid at minus 175. You chuckle. That means I'm wrong, isn't it? I, I didn't mean to chuckle at that. I was more just thinking about the idea of... Dardock just having a field day with the way Kyrie has been playing recently. And that's something that if you're just, if you're like me and you love watching these jungler head to head matchups, I'm good. I got a giggle out of that. I was right. However, I did win this one. I said minus 200. It's minus 192, which I think is startlingly fair. I was expecting more of an overreaction to liquid doing well last week, but I think given the way that they won against impulse, people are, more cautiously optimistic, which I think is the right way I to would go agree. with this team. Uh, next up, Cloud9 versus Renegades. Cloud9 still can't win on Saturdays. Renegades have Hakuho, uh, I believe is how you pronounce that. Hakuo. Hakuo? Hakuo. I'm, see, yes, this, is, this is why we have you here, Walter. You're, uh, you're the pronunciation guy comparatively, which I think says more about <laughs> us than it does about anything else. But for people who might not know who Hakuo is, could you just talk about him for a brief moment? Because this is a guy who's obviously been around the challenger scene for a little bit. He's been in the challenger scene. He's been playing with Frostbite uh, that failed to qualify for the uh, the NA challenger C- series, uh, losing a 3-0 series to Team Liquid. He's been on a couple of smaller organizations before that. Uh, when they initially said his name, I got him confused with another player who's been around for a while who I was like, God, oh, that's an awful pickup. Uh, but no, Hakuo, I, we have to see. He's he's played all right in the challenger scene. It hasn't been anything that's amazing that, you know, I think he's going to come in and take the world by storm. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see how well he pairs with Freeze. Yeah. And, and honestly, if nothing else, as much as I am 
sad to see Remy's career go the way it did. It does feel like this was what was best for all parties. And I'm hoping that Renegades can play with a, with a little bit more confidence now. Uh, and Remy can go on to do, you know, some, whatever she, she's aiming for that in which she's going to feel more comfortable than being on this big stage that even before she ever got there, we kind of knew was likely to be a mixed bag. So Walter, where do we think the line is on this game? Well, if Team Liquid is at minus 200, I don't feel good about this one. I had Cloud9 at minus 200. Okay, I get this one. You went way too Yeah, low. of course you did. Of I course said, you did. I said Cloud9 minus 280. It is Cloud9 minus 294. What have you seen from Renegades? Like, I know it's a Saturday, and maybe, like, the lines should be adjusted I just, accordingly. I just have... I just have lower lines. That's just in general. My lines tend to be tend to be a bit lower than yours in general. Yeah. Although I went high. This this was like I have two more low lines, and then everything else is pretty high for me. So we'll have to see. You know, we've done this long enough. I don't think we have any excuses about tendencies anymore. You have you have all the material ahead of you to learn and adjust accordingly. I know. I know, I know. <laughs> well, look, it's I fine. Know. I don't want to have Zero Zero as my profile picture on Twitter anymore. I'm fine with this. You can keep uh, yeah, ca- guessing low if you'd like. <laughs> CLG versus Immortals. Um, these are two teams, you know, CLG really showed a lot last week. And by showed a lot, I mean showed that Darshan is still really, really, really good. And when you let him be really good, the rest of his team can look very good as well. And Immortals just continuing to be this top-tier team within the region. Walter, where do you think the line is on this game? Uh, I have the line Immortals minus 190. Uh, Let me do some maths. Oh, I get this one, but you're going to hate me for it. I said minus 220. It is minus 208, so I beat you by six points, which I I don't even feel great about that one. I I will say, is is this the game of the week? I know it's not the closest line that we're going to see, but it does feel like to watch? Well, just in general, like if you're Immortals, this is a game that you need to win if you're going to, you know, throw out this whole idea of you being a power team that's just able to, you know, dominate over the rest of the region. If you're CLG, you have Darshan versus Huni. This is your chance to prove people like you who said that Darshan isn't the best top laner in North America wrong if they play it right. So, I mean, does this have the potential to be kind of a defining game for both of these teams. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like your, your, your points are right. I don't think it's a be all end all. I mean, both mm-hmm. teams are, you know, they're top two in, uh, in North America right now, statistic uh, in the standing. So I don't think this is the end of the world. It's probably better for immortals to lose this game than mm-hmm. it is for CLG to win it. Uh, just because immortals at this point, we, they need a loss at some point. They need to lose to someone so they they don't keep on this like super super high and they get to the playoffs and don't know how to deal with a loss. So mm-hmm. th- this yeah, on paper this is probably going to be the best game of the week to watch. You're you're 100 right in that. Yeah, it's it's just going to be interesting, especially just the Huni Tarshan matchup. I hope we get to see enough of that. Obviously, with lane swaps, that you know we're <laughs> nope, gonna get. There's an outtake happen. at uh at the end of this. I'm going to include a rant that. Walter and I had in pre-call because we thought it was a conversation worth sharing with you guys. But there is something to be said about that one-on-one if we get to see something of it. Um, but we're going to move on to TSM versus Echo Fox. Uh, Echo Fox has hard back. Is that, is, that close, is that close to having an actual roster again? Not until Froggen's back. 
Yeah. Not until Froggen's back. So Golden Glue has Golden Glue has been the worst mid laner in the LCS. Just straight up. I think I'd rather have no. I was about to say something I'd regret. He's been the be- he's been the worst mid laner in the North American LCS. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I was gonna say selfie still exists. Last time I checked, um, and that might not even be the <laughs> oh, worst. I wasn't gonna to. say selfie. <laughs> uh, yeah, that no, I wasn't gonna say selfie, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I have uh, I have TSM at minus five hundred. Okay, I get this one. This is the first head scratching line from Unicorn this week. I said minus okay. four hundred. It's minus three hundred three. So. I look. I, I try not to judge. I try to be understanding at all, as much as I can. It's Bjergsen versus Golden Glue. How is this minus three hundred three? That makes no sense. In what world does that line add up? Uh yeah, that's a line. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I have nothing to say to that line. <laughs> it's wrong, but. Okay. It's, okay. it's, whatever. uh, whatever. But, <laughs> I, look, man, maybe hard is, is the difference maker here. He versus Sven Skarin. You never know, except for the fact okay. that we totally know. NRG versus Impulse. We talked about both of these teams today. We kind of complete the circle here. Where do you think the line is? Energy minus 250. Okay. We split this one uh, because I said minus 250 as well. It is minus okay. 213. Mm, okay. I, it's a little low for my liking, but okay. Yeah, the only downside is that it means that Impulse is only plus 160, so there's not enough value to consider, like, what if Proxen just has a great game and NRG has, you know, some weird pick-and-ban issue again. I... Ah, man. I'm I'm looking at these lines for potential smart money things, and it's not going great. So let's go to day two and see if that gives us any more opportunities immortals <laughs> versus team liquid another game that's going to be very interesting on paper because this will be the is liquid legitimate or do they fold when they play high quality teams game where do you think the line is walter uh i have immortals minus 225 okay i'm gonna get this one and with it the week because you can no longer catch up uh I'm telling you, man, at some point you're going to remember that high lines exist. I actually said minus 250, and I was off significantly. It's minus 333, which is just a complete liquid disrespect line. Okay. I, all right, whatever. Don't, Li- don't. Again, they go, some of their lines are stupid <laughs> for no reason. But I guess, I guess this makes sense because why would anyone gamble against Immortals at this point? Well, here's what so. I, here's my selling point to you. And, and maybe I, usually I say this for the smart money bets, but here's my argument. We have Piglet. We have Dardock. We have Phoenix okay. doing really well. Okay. And Immortals has to lose a game eventually. So if all of those guys are playing well, and then you look at the fact that, you know, Immortals has to lose eventually. You know, is it really that out of play that you have one of those, you know, Dardock ganks early, gets the top lane going, gets Lorlo in a position where he could hold Hooney off. Uh, you let Piglet get to that mid to late game point where he just goes crazy off of Wild Turtle. I mean, I, I know that Immortals is playing really well, but they're not going to go 18-0. I need to see the rest of the lines first, mm-hmm. and I have, to, I have to mull over Liquid and CLG in my head. So let's finish the lines, and then I'll give you an answer. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cloud there, nine. There is a chance. There is a chance, but is it a is it a better chance than CLG? 
that's that's where I'm going off over in my head. And it depends on what where do you want your strength to come in? Do you want it to come from your two primary carries or do you want it to come in from the supportive shot calling element of the team? And that's what I'm flipping back and forth in my head. Right. And and the thing about me is like CLG can kind of match Immortals point for point in a lot of the ways they're built. I think Team Liquid plays a different style and it's it's it gives them the potential to throw Immortals off of their comfort zone. You know, CLG in theory wants to be split pushing with Darshan just as much as Immortals wants Huni to be split pushing. Liquid is much more about getting some of those mid to late game team fights in order. And also remember that I, you get you get eighty more I, points when you're looking at Liquid versus CLG. But let's keep going. I, we, got, we got to move forward. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can come back to it. We can come back to it. Cloud Nine versus NRG. It is Sunday, so Cloud Nine's allowed to play good again. Is that the weirdest stat, by the way? That Cloud Nine is three and zero on Sundays and zero and three on Saturdays. Zero three on Saturday. Does that mean we're taking Renegades this week over Cloud Nine? No. I mean, I'm not sure I'm ready to go that far yet, but (laughs) I do think it's just interesting. Like maybe Rush just doesn't get a good night. He maybe goes out and parties on Friday night. So he shows up, got like maybe, you know, (laughs) bit of a hangover, just like, oh man, I overslept. I'm just not feeling great. And then by Sunday, he's like, look, I've cleaned up. I'm good to go. Cause I don't, I don't have any other explanation. Why is he so on point on Sundays and so off on Saturdays? Cause it's not high anymore. I have no clue. I have no clue. I, I, I mean, I would be more prone to go out on Saturday night, on yeah, on Saturday night than I would on Friday night. But who knows? Uh, I have Cloud Nine the favorites at minus one seventy five for some strange reason. Yeah, that is a strange reason. I'm not. Yeah. I, I, I think you didn't think that one through all the way. I said energy. No, I did. I did. At energy minus one seventy, it is minus one thirty two. So Cloud Nine. Oh, is, look at uh, that. Even odds. Look at that. I wasn't actually, I, I thought it was the, the people still don't believe in energy thing. And I thought the casinos were still on that side. So it was, it's a low energy line, which makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly not insane. Unfortunately, cloud nine at even is not worth gambling on for them. I don't, I don't oh. think, yeah, I, I think this is the week where they might actually pull off a Saturday victory. It's in, it's in play guys. I don't know if they can win two days in a week, but you know, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Uh, Renegades versus TSM. We can breeze through this one. Where do you think the line is? TSM minus 450. Hey, you get this one. You guessed high better than hey. I did. I, uh, hey. I said minus 400. It's minus 435. And that's everything we need hey. to say about this game. So, yep. Impulse versus CLG. This CLG is... minus 200. Okay. You're going to get this one. I was going to do this whole hey. intro and everything, but who needs it? Um, we don't need it. <laughs> I said minus 150. The line is... What? I, the, I, well, because here's what I was thinking. If you, if you looked at CLG's lines from week three, they didn't have any lines in which they were significantly ahead. And Impulse just went one and one. And it was a very, you know, it was a solid one and one. I didn't think that CLG was going to make a massive leap. I understand I went low. But the actual line is minus 294. Okay. Is that okay? That feels really high to me. Impulse uh, that is was still the casinos f- taking into account that Saroff isn't playing for TAP, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you look at Impulse plus 210, though. You don't think Proxen could do some damage on Xmithy? No. Nope. Okay. Nope. I don't think yet t- I don't think Impulse will be prepared to play against CLG style. Not at all. That's fair. So I guess we get to the last line of the week. Dignitas versus 
the supposed LCS team Echo Fox. So that that status is still up for debate. Supposed LCS team. <laughs> I, I'm just taking it from uh, from your power rankings, man. I'm just saying. Yes. Where do you think the yeah, line is enough. on this? Uh, I have Dignitas minus 200. Okay, you and I split this one. Uh, I thought minus 200 as well. It is okay. minus 139, which is absolutely ridiculous. What? And Dignitas over uh, Echo Fox is one of our smart money bets. Yeah, that's yep. That put that one in the bank, straight I, up in the bank. I mean, I don't care whether Hard is half decent or not. Without Frog, and this team's not going to be very good. We can kind of, I think we can accept that. Um, I mean, now you're looking at. Do, do we think that you know Dignitas is this a resurgent week for them? They had a rough week last week. But Liquid plays the early game poorly, and if we think Kira is going to come back, plus 145, mm-hmm. I don't feel great about it. Um, I don't either. We are, you already nixed my, uh, my impulse thing over CLG. NRG minus, 130, NRG minus 132 over Cloud9? Like, do we feel confident? I know, it's yeah, a Sunday. I would, I would, I would say that's, that's, you go one way or the other on that. I would say... Cloud Nine, actually. Okay. Well, that's I take uh, I take Cloud Nine at even odds there. That's the better value, and if we think that game is really yeah. a toss up, then you take the value there. Um, yeah. So now I, the question is, which of these two lines are we taking against Immortals? Because we have to take CLG. The, okay. CLG. I, I'd say CLG. The more that I think about it, I think we go CLG. I'll say I think this: that's the smarter line. It's uh, it's certainly much more likely to come through, given that uh, we've had some mixed results when we look at what Liquid has done, especially in the early game. There's a chance that Liquid is out of that Immortals game by the 20-minute mark. Uh, I don't have that Mm -hmm. concern about CLG. But just to recap, CLG plus 155 over Immortals, Cloud9 even over NRG, Dignitas minus 139 over Echo Fox. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast, you should follow us on soundcloud.com slash esportsroughdrafts or search esportsroughdrafts onto iTunes. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. I am at RedshirtKing. Walter, where can people find you and your work? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. And you guys can also find me at SlingshotEsports.com. That's where my power rankings are posted every week. Yeah, and those power rankings, guys, are definitely worth reading. There was one of the greatest senses that I've ever read uh, in this week's episode, and I got to be honest, I don't even think it was the sense that, that you particularly loved. I, I mean, I, as much as I appreciate any time you can work Mike Shinoda into a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer pun, uh, there were some really great uh, jokes about Dardock and Echo Fox in there. So you should definitely go read that if you're at all interested in seeing a power rankings list that actually has context behind how they power rank things. Hey. Son of, could I get a? Should I get the like the the blow horns? A do 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 do. You know, and for that, is that a? Do we? Can we do that? <laughs> those are those are available <laughs> somewhere. MLG I'm sure. Horn. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I might uh, I might put that in. Uh, we'll see if I uh, if I have the energy to give you guys that. But we are going to uh, on our head out. We are going to include the rant we had in the pre-call. You know, usually we take this time just to go over what we're going to be talking about, but there was a thread on Reddit that we thought was worth discussing, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. So we are going to leave you with that, and until next time, 
Goodbye, Internet. Hey, Internet. That outtake we just mentioned, when we listened back to it, it turns out we used a lot of explicit language, and we try not to put that on any of our professionally done podcasts, with very few exceptions that we always mark at the beginning of those episodes. Because we didn't feel like it was suitable for the kind of content that we produced here, we have released it as a separate episode that is on our SoundCloud and iTunes page. So if you see bonus episode, uh, the outtake there, that's what that is. You should definitely go listen to it if you are uh, of the right age and you enjoy a little bit more colorful language in your analysis here. It's basically going into a Reddit post that complained about what the meta was doing to competitive games. So if that's the kind of thing you'd like to hear us make fun of, you should definitely go check that out. Otherwise, hopefully you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time.